Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Good. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. You sound good. Oh, hey, that's nice. Thank you. You sound good, too. Thank you. <sighs> Do I sound like I have a new power supply on my computer? I can feel the clean power. 300 watts. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I can feel it. It's like a, it's like an SVT. Mm-hmm. Just putting that clean thump. Thump. Bring it up the land. Uh, so does that? That's a power supply inside the computer, or are you talking about the outboard? Uh, like power like a power brick? No, it's a uh, it's a classic. Uh, I had classic symptoms of a classic problem, and it was classically oh, not, yeah. not hard oh, to yeah. fix. Oh, that's classic. But it's, you know, it is a, I mentioned this in some other places, but this is worth mentioning because I think this is the kind of thing that probably, well, I feel like I know drives you crazy. It's here's how this yeah. evidence is. Um, two Tuesday nights ago, I'm just doing my thing on my computer. And as go, you do. As you do. And it goes away. As the computer though, goes away. Well, as though basically some imp or sprite had just uh, disconnected the power. Like pulled the pulled it out of the outlet, it goes away, mm-hmm. and I think, huh, huh, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. not huh. Uh, optimal. And so I bring huh. it back. I bring it back up. I think you know probably one time thing. I won't go through this whole thing, but it's yeah. it's one of those kinds of problems that's difficult. It's difficult to reproduce because the nature of the problem evidences itself in fairly random things. So then step two of that is I start doing the troubleshooting. Which is, uh, you know, it involves a lot of like incantations and, and chicken bones, and then you just wait. But uh, there's some, there's a peculiar kind of purgatory to being nearly certain that the tool that you're using is going to break at any second. You have a very different view of how you use that device when you know that it could go any second. Oh yeah, it's a straight. But I mean, you've had this probably. Like you wonder if the, is the power going to go out. Is my phone battery going to die? But in this case, it's even worse because I'm like, okay, well, I know I need to leave this running and test this thing, but I, you know, I want to do stuff still. I'm in the early stages of grieving where I like I haven't like gotten my uh, mind right, you know? Yeah, you haven't gotten your mind right. That's a terrible feeling. And so I'm just sitting there waiting and then it goes, boop, and I go, okay, got to get a fresh <laughs> set of chicken bones. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I, uh, I used to have a... I used to have a delay pedal that would just sometimes go into demo mode. <laughs> huh? Like like you're well, over at the the store and you want to show off what the thing can do? Yeah. Yeah, the the uh the the mode that I'm not even sure why it's built into the thing. You should just if you're a company like that, you should just build one that's a demo and give it to Guitar Center, and it can sit in demo. But all of them had built into it this, like, sort of cycle through everything it does so that I guess you could sit at Guitar Center and just turn on this feature and, and you have, play. You have uh, the user strum. Yeah, and then here it goes through its thing. But it would go into it um, just sort of randomly, and it happened one night. We were playing with the Decembrists in Boston, and it was right when the Decembrists were getting big, and it was kind of right when the Long Winters were getting big, and it was a it was a big show, and it was one of those shows that hadn't expected to sell oh, out. Oh, like, like Buzz had accumulated while you yeah. were touring? Yeah. 
Yeah, we were out. You know, the early shows on that tour were not very well attended, and by the middle of the tour, the shows were sold out, and by the end of the tour, the shows were getting moved to a bigger venue, kind wow. of what you always hope for. And uh, so it's Boston, and there's, you know, the it's oversold right there, kids kind of hanging on the walls. And uh, halfway through our set, my uh, delay pedal goes into demo mode. Oh, my God. And when it went into demo mode, the normal way that you turned it off no longer worked. You couldn't just... It's like the delay pedal's on. You click the switch. It goes off. But when it's in demo mode, no. There is no switch to click off because it's cycling through every... And so it just has to do its thing. It just has to run its course. Oh, my God. And so I sat there... Through an entire song and just, you know, and it's a, it's a delay pedal, right? So it's like, here's what it can do. While you're and, trying to play uh, rock and roll power chords. <laughs> yeah, and I'm playing, you know, stupid or whatever. And, uh, and it was really, it was really fun. It was fun for me. That was back at a time when I had a real sense of humor about things. You, so, you know what? Uh, you'd use it. You'd yes and it. I, I really, I was just sitting there thinking to myself, if I could be on the shop floor of line six right now, mm. I'd grab the foreman mm-hmm. and just like ghost of Christmas past. This him. used to be equipment that you that could <laughs> save your life. You'd be hanging from a thread. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you need those things to be tough. I've had a lot of pedals over the years. Well, first of all, there's just always the thing of, like, it's, at least back in my time, this might have changed, it was always difficult to know without tasting your 9-volt, like, exactly how much juice you had left. Yeah, you got to taste that 9-volt. Yeah, right? Am I right mm, up here? Um, mm. But, like, you know, you uh, if you were in the middle of some raging solo and suddenly the signal gets real quiet and then just goes away or something like that, that's that would be the worst. Also, I had a lot. I, I You know you know how it is with stomp boxes. You get them and you just use them forever, and they get treated terribly and clunked around. And there were a couple that had a... I remember in particular, it was my... Wasn't an Ibanez. It was the Boss Distortion Plus Feedback pedal, that orange pedal that I used oh, yeah. for lots of stuff. It was a pretty shitty sound, but I thought yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it's a fun. bad pedal, but it's but it was fun to see like what it would come up with, for what feedback to make, given what you were doing. It would be so random and weird. But uh, that had a loose uh, quarter inch, I want to say, on the input jack. And sometimes it would just revert to a clean signal. It would just like go, oh, I need to reset myself. Boop. Now you're Cat Stevens. <laughs> Not very rock and roll. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, oh, it's nice. frustrating when you can't depend on things. It is. Well, in fact, right now I'm trying to send some. Um, I'm trying to send some texts from my laptop mm-hmm. uh, to people. I'm trying to say, look, I can't make it to lunch today. Yeah. And uh, uh, the machine has decided that it, I can no longer send texts because my password has changed. What? And my password has changed uh. because sometimes, re- sometime recently, uh, it forced me to change my password because of something. You mm-hmm. know, there was some reason that it needed something different. Okay. It needed something to be different. All right. Because I uh, I plugged in my my uh, iPad, which I hadn't used in a while because I wanted to start using it as a drum machine. I thought that was a good idea. So I plugged my iPad in. It told me that it needed 
to have a new operating system. I tried to ignore it. <laughs> it said that. Did Do you I want, want me to try tonight? <laughs> did I want? That's right. Did I want to sync my iTunes with it? I said no. It said, or then it said, you know, all this stuff. And I finally surrendered. I was like, all right, okay, fine, I'll fine. Like, I've sworn I will never do this, but this time will be different, won't it? Apple, this time will be different. This time you'll do it. It'll be logical. It'll be natural. You won't. You won't ask me to upgrade a thing if that upgrade will brick the thing. You would know internally. You would know that it couldn't handle it, and you wouldn't ask. So I'm going to trust you. And so I went on, and it, it gave me some cryptic message, like, there can only be one iTunes account. Would you like them, would you like this to be that, or, or, oh, and if no. you say no, then you're... I know, I like, you don't oh. want to hit the wrong thing, because the, the consequences are unknown. And so, that's yeah. right, the consequences are unknown, that's precisely right. It's not that you know them, because the language is very Sometimes, sometimes it's a huge deal. I mean, there's one you probably got in the last couple of years, which was something along the lines of, after you updated uh, iOS, it said something like, do you want to switch over to cloud drive, or something like that? And you would go, you, normally a person would go, like, oh, of course I want to switch over to cloud drive, or whatever the F it's called. But like, the thing is, if, what it didn't tell you was that that was an iOS-only feature. It was not available on your Mac. And the way that your all your cloud stuff worked would change fundamentally, and you might not be able to get to some of it until the operating system on your computer was updated. But that's, but that's you know what? That doesn't fit in a pop-up message. <laughs> well, and so what happened was I put this thing on, which had, uh, you know, 800 songs on it. And it spent an hour... Uh, churning. Ugh. That's not and a I was good like, sign. I was like, huh, that's interesting. And then when it came back up, all my music was gone because it had synced to an iTunes. To it synced to the iTunes on my computer that had come with a free Michael Franti CD and that U2 album. Ugh. Oh no! So all, oh no! This is bad. All, that, all that's on my iPad now is nothing, and put a new iOS on there that that has now turned it into a thing where if you touch something on the screen, it thinks about it for a while. It goes and makes a pot of coffee, and it comes back, and it decides whether or not it's going to follow through on your thing. We are currently evaluating your request. Yeah, and half of the apps crash the thing now. I mean, it was like, the thing was better. The iPad was more useful when I was using it as a hot, or like a like a trivet. Yeah, sure. You put a, put a pan on there. Yeah, than it is now. That, that'll work and, with any OS. It just makes me want to kill. But I will. I will help you, you with some kill. troubleshooting that might be useful. We don't but have to do it on like air. It seems like it's done, right? The music's gone. What is the troubleshooting? Like the music, they just they evaporated it. Well, right. I'm still there's sitting. lots of stuff I want to save for after we're done recording, but there's oh, some okay. security hygiene you should do at your at your earliest opportunity. Um, that's one thing, but, uh, you know, it depends. It might be confused about if you have more than one Apple ID, this is a very confusing matter. Uh, this did not used to be such a confusing matter. Lots of people, when they signed up for Apple stuff at the time, it required an Apple ID, got a new Apple ID that could be .me, .mac, .icloud. It could be Gmail, it could be whatever you signed up with. It's very confusing. And a lot of people don't know that they have more than one Apple ID 
where the username and the password match. And so if you enter in the wrong one, very confusing things happen because you're basically asking it for an entire different set of files. So was that stuff that you had synced directly to the iPad with iTunes previously, like with a tethered connection? Uh, this is a th- Here's the problem. For many, many years, I had that, uh, that desktop that I've used over the years to record our program, and that was my main computer, and that's the thing that I synced my phone to and that I synced my iPad to. Yeah. Then I bought a laptop, and when I arrived with the laptop, it, we, were past the, we were past the border into the Clued. Mm, the Clued. And, and so the new laptop was like, hello, welcome to computing. It's as though you've never heard of a computer before, so would you like me to... It looks like you're trying to compose a message. <laughs> would you like to walk through how the, the miracle of, in, of the Cloud... Yeah, and I was like, "Yeah, I just I got. I believe me, I've used a computer before. Thank you. Let me just get to where I was." Yeah, and they're like, "Oh well, you know, you can keep all your music in the cloud." And I was like, "I don't think I can. I mean, over the years, I've already had this problem where they're like, "Oh, this you don't, you know, this song that you've been listening to for five years now you don't have access to it because at some point in 1999 somebody gave this to you." Right. And it was fine for a long time, but right. now it's not fine anymore. And it's a grapes of wrath because, type situation where it really sounds great until you get there. And then you're like, oh, shit, this is not going to work at all for what, I, what I'm right. trying to accomplish. And right. like when it, now, and, of course, it does stuff like in the last few years, last two, three years, it started doing stuff like where Apple will for the first time ever incorrectly guess what your music is and then the, now oh. the metadata is like now this is associated with some uh, obscure Led Zeppelin live album. And you're like, no, that's not what this is. Right, and then you lose stuff. And I, Consequently, you I lose had, stuff because when the metadata is wrong, now there's a very good chance things will just get lost because it's not what it looks like. It looks like garbage now. I have no idea how to get the. I mean, because on my on my desktop, I have fifty thousand songs, or you know, I have like the all the music of, that I've had o- over the, my whole computer life. I have no idea how to get those into the cloud, and I don't want to know because every time I log on now, the cloud tells me that I don't have enough storage. So I know I don't have enough storage for 50,000 songs because all I have on there is like a copy of the book that I'm writing and uh, what, like two, I don't know. I don't even know what I have on there. It's nothing to, not, I have, I, they, they gave me like five megabytes of space. Oh, this is, uh, yes, that is, this is a huge deal. This is a, e- yeah. even the nerds are like, this is the most unconscionable hardware thing they had was still selling 16 gig devices, which is ridiculous. You can't even update the iOS and the, uh, the OS in most cases, but yeah, the, the parsimonious amounts of data it's gotten better, but it's still pretty costly for what you get and will not accommodate even basic stuff. Yeah. All by way of saying, on my laptop, I've just said, okay, I don't need music on there. I don't know how to get it from my desktop. Yeah. And I just don't care. But when I synced my phone, I finally was like, well, I got to sync my phone to my new computer. I can't keep syncing it to this computer from 2004. Well, it wiped all the music off my phone. Oh, Jimmy. Because it's, you know what I mean? Because it's, it's, not, on the, it's not on the new one. It's not on the new one. Yeah. And I'm like, and I, all I want is there for, to be a, for there to be a box that says, would you like the iTunes that's on your phone to be the master or the one that's on the computer to be the master? Right. But it doesn't allow for that. 
And so all the music's off my phone. Well, then I had it, I had it on my iPad, which I was using to control the Sonos until I just did this thing. I made this mistake again. I forgot to never upgrade. I forgot to never, never trust their box. Mm. Always say cancel. If it's if you push cancel and it's like Yelp, if it says, would you like to use the app? Yes, or cancel, and you cancel, then you then you go away. You don't get to use it. Yelp. You have to use the app if you're looking at it on your phone. Right. And so unless, I don't use you, Yelp. unless you delete the app. Oh, I don't even know if I did. I have, do I have the app? Probably. That's no. the same with YouTube. I'm, if you got YouTube on your phone, it'll always use that, and it's a pretty crappy app. So I never use Yelp because apparently I downloaded the app one time. I never want to use the app if they ask me. I just want to look at the thing because it's right there. I can see it. I just want to click on it and look at it. I don't want an extra step to go look at their app. So I'm like, and watch it boot up and and presumably take me to iTunes. So I'm always like, no, I don't care. I don't want to use Yelp. I do not want to use it. Not only do I not want to use it, I want to say the word Yelp with a with like spit coming out of the corners of my mouth every time I say it. Like, oh, is it on Yelp? <laughs> right. Anyway, so I, I cooked up my iPad and then all my music's gone from there. So, the only place any of that stuff lives anymore is my desktop, which I'm terrified of disturbing. I'm terrified of waking it up from its nap anymore because it contains multitudes and every other way... Uh, Every other way that Apple has to force me to either buy all that stuff again or go the rest of my life only listening to Michael Franti and Spearhead, uh, Apple's trying to do it. And they're trying to do it by way of these cryptic little pop-ups that it's like, would you like to make a decision right now? I don't think it's that willfully difficult. Mm. mm, It feels that way sometimes. But, you know, there there is a... Hmm. This is not a particularly interesting topic. There, no, it's not. But you know, it is there. I want to. I want to say I hear your frustration because there's all kinds of stuff that's super frustrating. You know, one one of those things is it did feel like for a pretty long time, Apple. There were two things at least that Apple got pretty well, which was that things always did seem to be kind of getting better. Things did get more reliable. Um, and there was so things. There were improvements, and you accepted one accepted them uh, gladly because they did improve. The devices, the software, the surface, whatever, whatever. The, but, but the, the second part is that it also kind of felt like, uh, like you got used to Apple being a good shepherd, being a good guide, being a good Sherpa, being a good yeah, rabbi, a good friend. Like you know, you could just hit that update button if you're about to get on a plane and know that, like, yeah, you know, there's a pretty good chance it's not just going to really screw up. And I, I, this is the most horrible general kind of comment, but I think in both cases, the feeling as a typical garden variety user is that neither of those things is the case anymore. And both trends are going the other way. If you, you know, if you do, if you do run some kind of an update, especially on iOS, it is like, like we've said, it's very unclear sometimes what's going to happen after you do this. And that's, that makes people resistant. The last thing you want is to have people resistant to operating, uh, updating the operating system. But, you know, hand in hand with that is that second part, which is like, now I'm scared to use my desktop because I don't want to do anything that makes it eat all of my MP3s because it has a different account associated with it. Like, what stuff is mine that I get to keep forever? You know, I don't think they're trying to make you buy it again. I just think sometimes they're pretty tone deaf. 
about helping guide people into whatever the new thing is going to be. And sometimes they're reluctant to just admit, you know what, that way we used to do it. We're really abandoning that, but we're not telling you that you keep running this. Like it's a thing that's going to be there, but like, unless you're in the, you know, the Macarati and like following every headline, you're not going to know that that thing's already very close to end of life. That the basically when stuff stops getting upgrades, stuff stops you know what i mean that's not a salutary sign and you would notice that if it's working properly until just one day it doesn't and i I don't think they're very responsible sometimes about communicating that with people well it's interesting and we've talked about the tech world for for a long time for the decades and decades we've been doing this program absolutely it's one of our one of our first topics was technology decades Uh ago that's right that's right that's right technology and ecosystems you, you know if you go on to linkedin you'll see that technology is one of my uh whatever, core competencies. Yeah, or, I uh, think I endorsed you for that or whatever. Yeah, thumbs ups is. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, the not very long ago, you and I had a brief conversation where I was saying, you know, I used to love uh, TweetBot. Oh, right, and TweetBot, right, right. TweetBot was this great uh, program. I used it a lot. And then it just started to be less and less functional. It was, it, it, it couldn't do certain things. It wouldn't, it wouldn't let me see embedded content. It just sort of started to fall apart. And I kept using it, wondering what was going on. And it felt like there were a few times over the years where Lonely Sandwich would put up an app or some friend of yours would put up an app and I would get it and I would use it until it stopped being functional. And I would ask you and they were like, oh, yeah, they'd stopped using that. Or, you know, there was that yeah, one. Right. You know, they just stopped updating it. It was it turned into it, ha- it happens. Dust. It happens. Sometimes stuff just goes away. But like you wouldn't expect like if you had a favorite like kitchen knife, you wouldn't expect it to just stop working one day. If it became dull, right. you would notice that and then deal with that by a new one. But there's no you don't get a pop up on kitchen knives that like, oh, by the way, this is no longer supported. Right. And so I figured that was what was going on with TweetBot. Well, so I got to a point where it just it, it wasn't functional anymore. And I and I was I was sad, but I went over and started using the the Twitter app. Which was awful. People have strong and feelings so, about Twitter clients. It's a very, it's a very personal relationship. Yeah. But I put this out, out there on the web, and 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 I got a ton of people saying, "Well, why don't you use Tweetbot?" And I was like, "Well, I did. I thought it was DOA." So I wrote you and said, "What the WTF?" And you said, "Oh, you need it's to a get couple, the new." It's a, it seems like a simple answer, but it's actually the the closer we get to explaining what's actually happening it requires like a whiteboard and a chalk yeah. talk to explain why why your tweet bot is not working yeah you were like <laughs> oh you have to go in and pay for the update that's the way that people that make small apps that aren't like massive that's how they uh, fund it you have to go buy that's how, that's how they get paid is how i would put that's it that's how they get paid yeah, they're, it's and, not. It's not like they're you know, putting out a tin cup. Like these, this is what these people do for a living. It's how the only way they can make money is to sell in, you sell you a new version or have in-app purchases. Yeah. Yes, that is how you explained it to me at the time. However, that was not clear to me as a layperson because I'm not reading MacWorld or whatever. <laughs> and so, how was I to know that? It, there was never in Tweetbot a thing that popped up and said, "Buy the upgrade because we don't. We need to get paid because this is what we do for a living." Or there was never a there pop was, up on your phone that said, "Oh, by the way, uh, the ecosystem you think you're used to has quietly changed in the last two years." <laughs> Here's some bullet points from Apple explaining exactly how the seventy percent take versus 30 percent like oh here's what all that means like no it's it's all it's a black art to even understand yeah. why things happen like why are all what, how come all of a sudden almost 
everything is free, but I have to pay for the good stuff. Well, sit down, have a sandwich. This is going to take yeah, a while right. to explain. Right. And I was thrilled to buy this $4.99 <laughs> drum machine app for my iPad because it was one of these moments. These, you know, I... I've been down to the music store a few times, like, which one of these Roland 808s is the right vintage drum machine for me? And I'm talking to the tech dudes, like, if I get this, will I? And they're they're kind of all looking at me like, I don't know how that works, man. I just do it all on the computer. Right. I'm like, you don't know how this classic drum machine works? And they're like, no, nah, we just have that here for the nerds like you, some like the graybeards that want to come in and fondle some things from their childhood. <laughs> we don't know how it works. It's not a thing that we would ever use. <laughs> Look because... at me. I'm two live crew. Do, 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 do. <laughs> yeah. Because whatever crazy this, 808 beats. <laughs> whatever this 808 does, there's a thing on my phone that does it 10 times better. So it's just like get with the times. And so I was like, ugh. But I found this this cool drum machine, simple to use, and it's on the iPad, and it costs six bucks or something. And I was like, "That's six bucks that I'm happy to spend. Happy, better to spend that than fifteen hundred bucks on a on uh, you know MC Blowfish's fucking eight oh eight state." <laughs> so I get it, and but but I have to like get my whole system in line, and now I'm fucked. Now I now I paid five dollars for the drum machine, and. It has to think about every beat, and I don't know if you, I don't know if you can speak to this, but I certainly can. You do not want to no. think about every beat. You want those beats <laughs> to flow. You do not. You know what I you mean? You know what? That's good. That one's going in the. That's going in the ebook. So yeah. you get that you exactly right. You don't want to have to think about every beat. You don't. Mm. You don't. Uh, well, I'm. I'm. Thank you so much for tuning into Tech World. I'm John Sircusa. And this is another episode of Why Computers Are Amazing. Amazing. Mm, it's it's fun to um, fun. It's fun mm. to sit in the Apple Store and listen to all the other conversations. It's so. I, I have a, a little initiative. I guess everybody does this. If there's a thing that you feel like you're super interested in or know a lot about, you kind of want to do these blind questions of people. Like I have a friend who works on the Star Wars movies, and somebody was mentioning his checkout person was mentioning uh, um, Rogue One, and he was without revealing that he had worked on some of the shots. Was asking like, "What did you think about Grandma Tarkin? And what did you think about any of the characters?" And I do a similar thing where, like, if I see somebody wearing Apple AirPods, I'll always ask them, hey, out of curiosity, do you use Double Tap for Siri or do you use Double Tap for Play Pause? You know, like, you want to go out and kind of ask around and, and, and learn these kinds of things. You, you do that because you have some, you had some vested interest in uh, that? I just try, I, I, I try to get a gauge I do a little bit of Thomas Friedman work, right? I like to just, without being too much of a nerd, you know, like if you're in a ride-hailing ride car, like there's a good chance that person's got some personal technology. They have to have that in there. And that's an interesting time to like notice like which phone they've got, how they're using it, how many do they have. Right. Or like I go and I, I, pick up, uh, I pick up lunch for the family and I notice that the burger place we go to has an array of seven different not just iPads, but Samsungs. They have a, an array of... They've got this whole area. It looks like, you know, Charles from the Wrens. You ever look at his pedal board? It looks like yeah. that, except it's all tablets to take orders, you know? And I'm just I'm In interested different in, formats? Yeah, yeah. From like, this is Caviar. This is, you know, um, Spoonful. This is Knife Edge oh. or whatever. 
I don't know. I just always think that it's interesting to just kind of like get a gauge about how other people are thinking about and using technology. And the Apple Store is super interesting for that. Because well, let know, me let me let me ask you this. Yes, you there. Um, this sounds like something that the old Merlin Man would do back mm-hmm. when he was Merlin Man mm-hmm. and was a technology pundit. Yeah, I was a seasoned technologist. Now, yeah. Yeah, now it seems like you're just a layperson, just a farmer. You're just yeah. Farmer Merle. Just as God made me, uh, sir. And you're out, you know, you're just out hoeing your your uh, row. Hoeing my till. Why? Um, why exactly? Uh, is this just an? Is this just like a, uh, a, a distracted interest, or are you? Are you still? You still? Is it? Are you like the Brad Pitt character in the? Uh, in the mortgage movie, yeah, where yeah. you're kind of keeping your hand in the game, even I'm though the Christian Bale. Civil... Oh, the Christian, <laughs> the Christian Bale. I'm the Christian Bale. I got some speed metal and a confusing eye. <laughs> <laughs> because I like sitting on the bus and listening to people talk. I do too. Uh, I just like observing people in the wild. Not 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 in a snarky like I want to put your picture on the internet with your raven kind of way, but like in a, like oh you know that's just that is super interesting watching even how the lady my uh, my genius at the apple uh, bar like how i don't know if they even say genius or apple bar anymore but the woman who helped me uh get my computer repaired like watching how she interacts like how she does stuff on the phone it's it's not out of a vocational need really although this stuff does come up on you know i don't know i don't know how you define what it is that i'm doing these days but like it does come up i end up talking there's several shows where like i have three different shows where stuff about apple will come up even though it's not the primary topic but it's mostly just my own interest, like talking to my friends, watching what they're doing. But, you know, it's, I don't know. I'm not sure of the point I'm trying to make, except that it, there is such an, an interesting and confusing range of people's reckons about technology that you really get to overhear as they, as they consumer explain it to the person at the genius bar. And, you know, so let's be honest, not every genius is a genius. You get real differing Wait results. Wait a minute. Wait yeah. a minute. Not all geniuses. Pound sign. Hold, hold the phone. Yeah. Uh, you can make this about Bernie well, Bros, John. Is this about Bernie Bros? No, they don't exist. Um, I uh, my computer is not working right now, yeah. and it's uh, the thing is that having done this uh, with the iPad, now my laptop and my whole system doesn't work right because I had to do all these things in order to upgrade. I had to change passwords, and then in, by changing passwords, I reset settings accidentally, not on purpose. Oh, Jesus, and it John. wasn't that I did it. It was that the computer did it without asking, right? So now my message app won't let me send messages, and I keep sending it. And then Google just sent me an email saying an, unsec- an insecure app just tried to log on to your uh, Google account. Uh, and that, and uh, I'm just in the laptop sending messages via the message app. Like, I didn't have anything to do with Google uh, on this. Uh, but uh, but it's going through some, you know, yeah. it's going through the, the, the passages of my mind or whatever. Hmm. Uh, and so, anyway, so here I am. I got, I got three messages I need to send. I need to send them. Can't send them. So that's because anyway. I don't know what the problem is. I'm putting in the I, right well, path. I t- I, see, I'm trying not to talk about this on the program because we should talk about this offline. You're worried that somebody listening to the program is going to immediately use their superior hacking qualities to hack I'm into my system. Already, I'm worried that's already happened. Um, and somebody's, oh, I see. Some, if you can't, some if you're, if cranium. you should never need to change your password to do an update. 
That's oh no, I don't think I had to do that. Okay. It was that the it was that. Uh, well, I, I mean, honestly, I have no idea, right? The, the, the thing, the thing to do to figure this out is to take your known good Apple name, and I'm trying to look you up here. Like whatever you're using for your, come on, contact card. Yeah, you should go and see if you can log in. You go to iCloud.com and see if you can log in with what you know to be the correct credentials. Yeah. All right. Well. Anyway, which you should do. So. Thanks for coming. Let's make a part thanks, of the program. Th- thanks, for, thanks for coming to Mac dot com <laughs> show. Uh, I'm your host. You 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 to- are you Tony are, Visconti. You are sequestered from from so much of my world, uh, probably by design. You can't even imagine the feedback that I get from people about what I should be helping you with. It's very frustrating to people that I'm not constantly going in and correcting anything that's even slightly wrong, even if it's a bit. But also, if you have mm-hmm. the slightest technical problem, the entire internet is very frustrated with me that I don't fly to SEA. Viva uh, Seattle, Tacoma, Viva SeaTac, and personally oh, go I, and help you with whatever you're misunderstanding. I yeah, get, me I get too. feedback. I get feedback about this. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a frustrated with it too. Why the hell aren't you doing that? I know. You know what? This is part of Jared Kushner's portfolio. <laughs> Why don't you fly up here and and fix this me- this message app right now? Oh, you know what it is? Yeah. It's this it's this second device authentication oh. that I agreed to. That I agreed to, which means that now I can't do anything without no. also finding my phone and typing in the. You beep might have lop. locked your car keys into a second set of car keys. <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, so we'll get you squared away. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. What, what was that that just happened? Why did I... Oh, God. No, what, what happened, John? Oh, it said, you need to put this code into your other machine. And I said, okay. And you dismissed it. And, and, then, I, and then I dismissed it no. because I didn't know where it wanted me to put it. And, and I was like, but you got it. You found, you found your car keys inside the car keys. You're going you're gonna to well, make it. I'm gonna try it right now. Hang on. Okay, here Boop. we go. But this is such good radio. This is good. Bum, bum, bum. I got the numbers in. Verifying. Trust this browser. It asks me. Do I trust the browser? Mm-hmm. What is that? What is that? What? The browser is Safari. Right? I think it got hacked. <laughs> <laughs> I got a virus. Uh, I got hacked with the virus. You done do it. You done do it. Who? Okay. All right. Typing. Oh, wait a minute. Hey, my iCloud storage is almost full. Oh, if really? I run out of storage, photos, videos, documents, and data will no longer be updated. But I can learn more. Let's see what it says. Oh, God. I manage my iCloud storage. <gasps> I can increase my storage to 50 gigabytes. Who would ever need that many gigabytes mm-hmm. for 99 cents U.S. dollars a month? Yeah. Go, go for the terabyte. Go for the terabyte. I'm not going to put another eel on my bottom. <laughs> it's you know what it is. It's like it's it's like um, it's like the uh, the Cosa Nostra, right? They stop by your cheese shop and they go, "You got a real nice cheese shop here." It'd be a shame if anything happened to your camembert. It's it's like that, <laughs> except in this case, they're putting the army on you with attention. 
Where it's like every morning, mm. it's going to go, you know what? See how squared away now? All good? Well, I mean, in the time, okay, here's the great thing. In the time that it took me to write and set, to write the person I was trying to, so, so there's a mayoral race in Seattle this season. And uh, my good friend, former mayor Mike McGinn, mm-hmm. has thrown his hat back in the race to run against his arch nemesis and current mayor, uh, Ed Murray. Has he, Ed has Murray, he had a dust up? Ed Murray is in the newspapers a lot recently. I feel like I've been uh, hearing, I'm, I'm not trying to be provocative, but I feel like I've heard some things. Um, he has, uh, he is uh, uh, in the midst of a scandal. Okay. Which he he says, which he says is, uh, like dirty tricks, right? Well, I mean, I, I don't have any problem just, uh, outlining the facts of the case, which are uh, that, uh, you know, Ed Murray is gay. He was a volunteer and, uh, like a, like a uh, an activist, a community activist in Portland in the eighties. Okay, and he was in his thirties in the late nineteen eighties, <clears throat> and he worked with you know at risk youth for many years. Accusations have dogged him that he, in the process of mentoring uh, street kids. Mm-hmm groomed and you know helped a couple of them uh in the sense that he let them live at his house okay and uh and then the accusation then there were accusations at the time that he had that he was sexually abusing them and this is was this like a a whisper in the press or was this kind of a public thing no it, it, he wasn't he wasn't i don't think prominent enough then that it would have been a whisper in the press. No, a kid actually went to the cops. Oh, okay. In the 80s. Yikes. And in the 80s, it was a scene where, you know, here was this upstanding sort of guy in his 30s who was working with at-risk youth versus a 15-year-old drug addict street kid. And so the cops just, you know, brushed it under the table right they just like the they didn't pursue it so now at, at right at the start of this election season the a handful of guys who were teenagers in the 80s have come forward and said this happened to me oh, man. and they they all have a lot of supportive or supporting evidence you know they all remember a certain sort of aspect of his penis it had a bump on it oh boy. and a couple one of the guys remembers uh ed's phone number by heart you know from the late 80s and it was a you know it is precisely a my own private idaho scenario in some ways right these guys were these Teens were street kids and drug kids, and they were hustlers. Okay. And they freely admit that they were hustlers. But Ed, this was a different scene with Ed, right? He was mm. like, I mean, one of the kids adopted Ed's last name as his. You know, he was borderline adopting them. Oh, this sounds and very complicated. 
Yeah, and doing all that stuff, you know, giving them money, taking them to the doctor, promoting them, saying, you know, go to college. He was acting as a father figure in a lot of ways. And they, you know, and, and, and all these kids say, you know, that, that in a way they loved him uh, and in some ways really loved him. But he also was, you know, they, they kind of weren't, uh, they didn't want to have his penis in them. Mm. And that was sort of what he would, that was uh, his game, I guess. This is the accusation. Mm-hmm. I have no, um, I have no knowledge one way or the other, obviously. Um, and complicating matters further, the people that are, prom- that are pushing this lawsuit are, it's a, a law firm and a, and a kind of a group that is a very conservative Christian group that is pushing a very strong agenda. And they've, they've come at Ed a few different ways. Mm-hmm. They're, they're the type of group that does this sort of thing uh, to other people. Uh, politicians. One of the guys in the in the article, the newspaper article about these accusers, one of the guys had taken a masking tape and written on the front of his blue t-shirt, written Jesus saves in masking tape across the shirt for the photo shoot because he forgot to wear his Jesus saves shirt. Hmm. So that is, you know, the leftists, right, are, are very uh, suspicious of that whole thing. And so we're off to the races, right? The mayor's office denies everything. Uh, they went to the doc. They went to had some doctor examine him and say, there's no bump on his penis, even though oh, God. it's sort of one of those things where it's like, really, there's like four guys that all say the same thing. Um, and so it's like, it's very, it's very complicated. And all, all, all well, not complicated also because if you're running against him, uh, that's not the way you'd want to win. You right? Well, it it isn't except that you know, like I, this will bring a lot of crazies into the race. But the thing about McGinn is that he is against Ed Murray profoundly. And McGinn doesn't care. McGinn will never mention this. This this isn't on his radar at all. He he just does, he's against Ed's personality. He's against his policies. He's a he is he's a he's been sitting on the sidelines for the last four years, just like chomping at it. He really helped my city council campaign, and it was in that time that I realized that he's a player. He mm-hmm. wants in. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so this was just a, you know, the lot, a lot of the reason that McGinn wouldn't have run against Ed. And I'm sure he was con- he's been thinking about it the entire time is Ed's a very good politician, too, and had shored up support from a lot of different quadrants. And a lot of that support in politics I learned in running is, I mean, everybody's very half hearted. They're like, well, we don't like this about. We don't like this or that about this person, but he's our best shot, so we're throwing everything behind him. Right. Because there's no there's no half endorsement in politics. Nobody goes like, well, we sort of like both people, but you know, I mean, the only people that do that are the stranger, right? Who who endorsed my opponent by saying this guy's kind of a creepy serial killer, but he knows <laughs> policy. 
John Roderick is a really fun, rakish, exciting guy that we like a lot, but he just hasn't been in the game long enough. And that, that's an endorsement that helps nobody or, or satisfies nobody, right? It's just like, thank, thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, but most, like the unions, everybody it, else, it would be like a just, restaurant. It would be like a restaurant review where they can't personally find anything to like on the menu, but they can give you reasons not to order two different things. It's like, well, okay, so should I just avoid the restaurant altogether? Like, right. it's a, that kid, that's not really super actionable unless I just no. decide not to vote. Yeah, or just you just go, you're like, I mean, they're, I guess they're open about lesser of two evils, but 99% of the people don't, don't read even that deep into it. They just, they pull the cheat sheet out and check the box that they tell them to check. You sure. Know? But in this case, the the question of whether or not uh, Mike McGinn would run against Ed Murray was always a question of how vulnerable is Ed? And Ed is a very good politician, and so he had shored up support from all of the the groups, all of the the all of the people that you need. So he seemed in he seemed less vulnerable, not invulnerable ever, right? But he seemed like if if all the powers that be were going to get behind him, he's a much more difficult person to run against. This this unfortunate controversy, and I and I don't mean it just that it's unfortunate for Ed. It's unfortunate for all involved. It's and the, and presuming I think that you kind of can presume that there's truth to these accusations because it just doesn't seem unlikely. You know, it's it one just of the, I seems mean, it, like there's just the points you get to, and I, I don't know anything about this. I'm not trying to speculate, but you know, there are those kinds of things that you run into where you're like, this. There's so many different pieces coming, even small pieces coming from so many different places. You know, it, it isn't like a you know, well, one one idiot says Iraq has WMDs. You know, it isn't even anything like that. It's more like there's so much little bits of chatter and smoke from so many different places. It almost seems. In, the, in retrospect, with cases like that, it seems like there's probably something going on. Well, and and also, and this is the this is the problem <clears throat> that makes it hard to shake for sure. If if you talk to if you talk to anyone who was a gay teenager in the 1980s, there was a culture then, and there was there was a culture that was that that just had a very different idea of what the age. The appropriate age of consent was, and in a lot of these Western states, like the <clears throat> the age of consent in Oregon has been eighteen for a long time, but across America, uh, the, there are a, there are states where the age of consent was twelve until not that long ago. Really? You know, in Ohio for heterosexual business. Uh, uh, the, yeah, because because homosexual business was against the law no matter how old you were. Mm-hmm. There was no age of consent for it, right? It it could not be. It was illegal by by definition. But the age of consent for heterosexual sex, in a, I mean, it still varies state to state, and there are states where it's fourteen years old still. Yeah, really? There are a lot of yeah. There are a lot of states where it's sixteen. Hmm. Um. Like the number of states that it was eighteen were definitely in the minority for a long time. Uh, I think that's not true now, but so so this idea that we have that eighteen years old is the age of consent, or even sixteen is the age of consent, isn't necessarily that that that's a that's a that is an idea that has been evolving over time, and in the eighties in 
in Oregon on the streets of Portland, and I was on the streets of Portland in the 80s, and it was a dark and lawless place, but it's not just, Did you it's meet not just confined. Uh, Flea wasn't there, no, but I did meet Keanu. (laughs) We went for a motorcycle ride. But like all of the the American streets, right? Like the the gay communities were not able to be out and proud. They had had their own sort of system, their own law. And a lot of, you know, if you talk to Dan Savage about his own experiences or or anybody my age who was gay in the 80s their experiences are are incredibly varied mm-hmm. and a lot of them had mentors who were older men that sort of brought them into the life showed them the way and were and that's a thing that that in a heterosexual context it never it, it's always a little bit uh, creepy, the idea of a of a mentor, right? Or like an older man that's going to show a young well, woman anytime, how... The- anytime I just I was hearing about these problems that you see, where now I think um, uh, University, University of California is changing as of this week, I think, changing the structure for how things like um, especially things with faculty get reported and tracked down. You know what I mean? That's I think that's something where the... Anytime there's a power differential, there's going to be questions. Right. Yeah. I mean, anytime that there is one person has, you know, this is so true for, for sexual harassment, that anytime there's a power differential, like the way that every aspect of how that gets treated is different. It's one thing for it to be your 18 year old neighbor and another thing for it to be like a 40 year old powerful man, you know, who has who has a reputation and who has the ability to affect. Anyway, it's just it's it's difficult not to, is- it's difficult not to look weird. Even that is a is a recent, you know, or or an evolving idea, right? We we see that power now as a thing that that it, that power differential as a thing that is that we we pour a lot of energy into seeing it as uh, as ex- exploitative. Um, but that wasn't the case in the seventies, right? Or or in the nineties, even. Um, uh, it, 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 over time, right? In terms of a uh, mutual consent, mostly relationship. Yeah, just in that. In that, but the, like it wasn't unusual. It, like I, I, I had several instructors in college who dated students, like who were in the class with me. That used to be like a, a pretty normal thing. My guidance counselor at the University of Washington when I was twenty. Two and she was thirty-eight. Uh-huh. I remember this. Seduced me, uh-huh. and um, and had control over my transcripts and what because I was transferring to the university. Um, she was the person determining what the my credits were going to be. Like I was coming from a school that had a semester system. I was joining a school that had a quarter system. And it was sort of up to her discretion whether or not a semester credit was written down as a credit for a quarter or a credit for two quarters. Almost every college, regardless of how good the college is, is if you transfer in, they will find a way to shave credit no matter where you went. And she found a way to not shave those credits. Wow. Um, she found a way because she had the, she had the, the number two pencil that some of my higher level classes that were on, that were a semester long got turned into two quarters worth of credit. 
um, because we were sleeping together. And that wasn't <clears throat> that that wasn't lost on me. Um, but and not <clears throat> not that I was doing it. Um, not that I was doing it uh, like. <sighs> Like not not with malice of forethought. It wasn't like you said, oh, I'm going to go have this relationship in order to get more credits. No, I had no idea that such a relationship was possible until I was in it. Um, But it became very weird later when I kind of um, broke up with her, for lack of a better term. And she called my house, my mom's house saying, hi, this is John's guidance counselor. I'm really worried about him. Do you have any information about, you know, like it was, there was an incredible power differential and she was in the end, I think a very nice person who was in her own life, kind of going through a period, going through a a midlife crisis, maybe even. And, um, and I always have seemed older than I was or more mature than I was. But I, it wasn't just that I was 22. Like, I was pretty inexperienced. Not I was not a 22-year-old who had had 10 long-term relationships with girls my own age. You know, I was still pretty new. I didn't lose my virginity until I was 20. And I had, a, you know, and then the, that next couple of years from 20 to 22 were not particularly uh, fruitful years in terms of... Um, getting to know ladies and what and how to how to behave mm-hmm. how, how to behave myself and and it, and she did teach me right she taught me uh things that i didn't know about uh things that i didn't uh, that it hadn't occurred to me to know you know yeah like it it wasn't just a she wasn't exploiting me or i mean I didn't, I didn't feel like, I guess I felt like that at the time, but I didn't feel like, um, I, I, you know, it's not like I was, I wasn't afraid of anything. I'm, I'm not, I'm not exactly, I haven't really thought about it in a long time and, and tried to process it in a modern context because at the time it just felt like, and you know, and if you say to your friends like, oh yeah, they're like, whoa, right. Because it's a, because it's a the nature of a younger man, older woman relationship is that d- d- people don't have sympathy for that. Right? They were, they were talking about that this week on double X <clears throat> gab fest. They were talking about the whole thing of like, um, just that, that weird imbalance between where like, if you see an older predatory man with a younger woman, I mean, you know, a child or a, you know, teenager, you, everybody looks at that and goes, ew. But like, there is still this narrative of when it's an older, potentially predatory uh, woman or someone who's, who's, who's using their power willfully in this case, um, maybe like everybody goes, yeah, all right. Like, (laughs) it's so like, you go, yeah. But in in that case, like you were an adult, you weren't a minor at the time, but there's still that power Delta. I mean, and I, but I was a minor in my mind, you know, like I, <laughs> I was still a child, yeah. but there was, when we, when she and I would go shopping, this was always very interesting because when I would talk to my friends and even my, even my, uh, my girlfriends, like my younger woman friends, yeah, it was always, it was always, uh, regarded as that I, that this was evidence that I was a 
that I was a big wheel, right? That I was sleeping with this older woman that was in a position of power. And she was a lawyer too. I mean, she, she had, she, she had left her career in order to work at the university for some reason. I don't know. Maybe, hmm. maybe it was maybe because hmm. she was hmm. okay. kind, of, kind of interesting when you look back on it. Um, <laughs> huh. um, <laughs> Has she ever been in the clergy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but when we would go to the grocery store together, <clears throat> other middle-aged women would glare at her and so much so that I noticed it hmm. and I mentioned it to her one time because we were waiting in line you know we were checking out we had bought some ingredients for she was going to make me something she called green pizza and we were sitting there and the and the woman checking us out at the grocery store was giving you know was just kind of giving her a lot of vibe and and there were a couple of encounters where we were walking down the aisle and putting stuff in the shopping cart. And it was clear that we were there as a romantic couple and not as she wasn't my mom. Right. And, uh, and you know, and, and she just got the stink eye and I, and I mentioned it to her and she was like, Oh yeah, well she sort of blew it off as though it was, you know, uh, she wasn't surprised. And it, it did surprise me and still kind of surprises me because I'm not sure what I'm not sure what that means within the within a culture of middle aged women. Like what why you would be mad at, at someone who had a young boyfriend. What exactly what exact crime you're committing? Well, without to them. getting any, any too specific, because who knows, but I mean the basic one is oh, I know what you're up to. Right. Yeah. And everybody right. might have different reasons why it bothers them that she's up to that. But I mean, that's a common thing is like, oh, you're not fooling anybody. Yeah. And, 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 and it feels a little bit like the like Monty Python housewives like oh. like pearl, pearl clutching. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> all of that is sort of uh, beside the point or or at least tangential to the point which the point is, is that, that you, all you had to do it seems so simple was to send a send a text to the uh, mayoral uh, candidate hmm? is that how it started right. <laughs> oh <laughs> right so popping pop the stack john so he anyway. and i uh, mike mcginn who has declared that he's running for the for uh, the mayorality um <clears throat> the only reason he's chosen to do it is that that he saw uh, he saw a political advantage right there was a there was a moment where ed's newfound vulnerability was going to cause enough of the people that enough of the unions that had thrown their support behind him to waver mm-hmm. and to be unsure that there would be a there was an opportunity for mike to get in he has you know mike wouldn't care if it was just that ed had stubbed his toe an mike opening an opening is an opening yeah, and he Mike's going to do a better job, and he's going to be better for the city. Is why he's running, right? That's what that's his mm-hmm. his justification. So anyway, he and I were supposed to meet for lunch today, <clears throat> but the problem was, and this is the problem: I never put things into my calendar. Right? Oh. I have I have made three separate lunch dates for today at noon. Oh, John! And I didn't realize it. Oh I didn't realize I had done it. I was like, everybody that talked to me last week and was like, we should get lunch next week. I was like, what about Monday? And each person was like, let me get back to you. 
And when they got back to me and were like, yes, let's do Monday at 1230. Let's do Monday at 1230. I was like, great. And last night, I was like sitting and stewing, and I was like, wait a minute, do I have something to do tomorrow? Mm -hmm. I looked at my calendar, there wasn't anything there, and um, and then I was like, I think I'm having lunch with the mayor. And then I thought, wait a minute, aren't I also having lunch with Brian and Scott? <laughs> I wonder if there's anybody and, else that I'm having lunch with. And then I did. I said, Can, is there anybody? I just feel like, and then I was like, oh, shit, I'm having lunch with Kate. And I felt like such a dunce. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate, because I hate I, that feeling. I hate that feeling. It's like uh, like the saying unforced error. Like, oh, Jiminy, what am I doing here? Yeah, yeah. Like, what did I... Three different people, and all of these are important lunches, right? I want to have lunch with Kate. I want to have lunch with Mike. I want to have lunch with Brian and Scott. Can we and get so, a big table at Olive Garden and consolidate them? Well, this is what I, th I thought for a minute. But every one of those conversations, all three of them are supposed to be confidential, yeah, right? I don't know. Kate See, you just, this, this is how Mayor it worked out. This is the universe so telling I, you. You guys should be working together, all one big team. So all morning I've been sending, you know, trying to send this message like, hey, I got to reschedule. Hey, I got to reschedule. Uh, I just got a text on my phone from Brian and Scott saying, get this. This is these two. These two fucking guys. Mm -hmm. It's 11, 10 a.m. They're like, we're here at the restaurant. Get here when you can. Oh, Jiminy. Like, Seriously, you guys? Mm. You're going to sit there for an hour? So I'm going to show up at or an hour and a half. I'm going to show up at, uh, at twelve thirty, and you're going to, you know, and the check's going to be on the table, and you mm -hmm. have a, a, a thumb of coffee left in the cup. So, <laughs> so what I, what, I, what I just did was I, it, as Brian and Scott sent me that, saying that they're already there. That indicates to me that I am not taking that lunch date seriously anymore. Oh, really? Okay. Because I'm going to go there, right? But I'm going to swing by. Oh, because you're going to swing by. The I swing by. Already? Hmm. Like, we had a lunch date for 1230, not for 11. They're there already. They're going to have their own little I don't know date. these men, but that's that's a little bit of a passive-aggressive move. I'll say. It puts you back on your heels. No, unnecessarily. Yeah, so, so, I'm going to swing by. Mm -hmm. Let's just say I'm swing by I sent a thing to Kate saying, I was sorry. Could we reschedule? And then I asked the mayor if we could push it back till two. And the mayor just wrote back and said, yep. So. Wow. I'm on, I'm on it two with the mayor. I canceled with Kate. I'm going to. So you're going to do your swing by first, and then you're going to go by. meet the mayor. I'm going to go meet the mayor. And then early dinner with Adam Savage, mm -hmm. because I'm interviewing him tonight at the University of Washington. Oh, no kidding. And we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about. Wait, wait, hang on. Are you talking about the uh, Mythbusters guy? Yeah, oh, I like that guy. Yeah, he's, he he get he got uh, he got brought to town by the University of Washington. He's, he's to give a nice one of, man. He's a very nice man. Very nice man. And they asked if I would be the moderator, and I said, of course. So that's my day to day. Is swing by. Like, sorry, had to have to skip Kate. Mm-hmm. Bounce over to the mayor at two, and then early dinner with Adam at five. Boy, you're, you got a hell of a day going on. This is a this is a good day. This is exciting, right? 
It's just another day in the life. Mm. I woke up and I fell out of bed. <laughs> I didn't even drag a comb across my head. Oh, you didn't even find your way upstairs and have a cup? I uh, My cups are downstairs. But then when you looked up, did you notice you were late? I, I was late. <laughs> Wasn't I late to the show? I was, I was a few minutes late. <laughs> we both made coffee. No, no harm, yeah, no foul. We did. USA, USA. That's a good song. That's a really good song. It's a fine song. It's a little overrated as a masterpiece, but it's a very good song. The thing is that nobody had ever done it before, so that's yeah. you. So you get a buy, you get a pass when nobody's ever done something. But it's before. another one you get where like you give full points to George Martin. George Martin gets full points for that. But like you know, it's it's good. It's good. You know, it's no Andrew Burke can sing. Yeah. The... <sighs> Sorry, I, I didn't remember. Mean take, I didn't mean to take you off your lunch talk. My brother Bart once said to me as I was complaining about Revolution Number Nine. Mm-hmm. Number Nine. Uh, number my nine. brother. Number nine defended revolution number nine and did it as you know as a groundbreaking watershed mm. experimentation a thing that was you know that changed the world there was never you couldn't go back you couldn't put revolution number nine back in the bottle mm. and I was unsophisticated at the time I was just a I was just a teenager and mm-hmm. I was saying it's a huge chunk of an album that's already too long. And everyone in the world has only listened to it once or twice. Like, it's not a song that you play. The, the White Album or Revolution Number no. 9? Number 9. Oh, Revolu- yeah. Like, you nobody, no, no, yeah. I, 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 I happen to adore that record. But no, you're right. That's, 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 a, that's a skipper. Yeah, you don't put that side of the album on. Yeah, it's like right. the, that Butcher song on Odyssey and Oracle. Like, every great album has a song everybody skips because it's too drecky and dumb. Yeah. Not every album, yeah. but a lot. But my brother wouldn't hear it. Mm-mm. He would not hear it. Nope. Because it was the first. And I feel like... Uh, because it was the first like Music Concrete brought into rock? Yeah, I mean, it was it was innovative in... Mm. In um, hmm. there were so many techniques that had that even in the even in uh, an avant garde context hadn't been tried yet. Okay, with yeah. multi tracking, hmm. right? Hmm. Multi tracking, hmm. I guess. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't care for it. I think it's. I don't think it's aged well. No, no, it hasn't. And and I and I think the orchestral swells of a day in the life are. Uh, you know, we're all used to them. They are what they are. But they're. Uh, and I think that that was a fine solution to that problem, but you can tell by the way that they built it, right? They they had the one part, they had the other part. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what to do. They counted off that that area, right, on either side, yeah, and right. said, Le- "Leave space here for a thing." Yeah, we'll put something here. Mm-hmm. And the solution was what they what how they solved it, right? That's that's what happened. But I don't think that in a world of infinite possibility. The, I don't think that that was the best thing that could have gone in that pocket. Yeah, let's just put it that way. But nobody asked me. Nobody wants. Nobody Mm-mm. wants to ghost of Christmas past me back to Abbey Road. No. To get my you know my thoughts on it. Like, hey, you guys, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. before we do this, the Sergeant Pepper white white album. We're talking about the white album. Or are you talking about Day in the Life? Oh, okay, Day in the Life, Sergeant Pepper, right? You know what's weird? When I was going to sleep last night, you're not going to believe the song I had in my head. Uh, She's Leaving Home, for some reason, was in my head. 
It's a great song. It's a really good song. It used to make me so sad when I was uh, like 12 or 13. It's like, oh, this must be what it's like when your child leaves home. <laughs> must suck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> me too. It's and then, sort I, of and like, then I started uh, thinking about how his wife's got a dressing gown. And I started to think as I was falling asleep, I was thinking how it sounds like English people have lots of different clothes for different modes that Americans just don't have. Well, they have sleeping hats. That's true. They have, yeah. Dressing yeah, sure. gowns. Night shirts. What about union Did suit? you ever wear a night shirt? Yeah. Uh, not something I felt very comfortable about, but uh, I'm, I'm usually like a pajamas or underwear man. I got all sleeping sweatpants. Yeah. For a while in the 1980s, <clears throat> during the, uh, I think what I'm going to call the initial prep revival. Hmm. Um, when Land's End first really was making a stab for the boat shoe market. Oh, sure. There was a there was a point where I got an LL Bean plaid flannel nightshirt. Hmm. Um, and you know what I mean by nightshirt, right? It's knee yeah. length flannel. You look like one of the kids Penley. in Peter Pan. You get like a long, long That's shirt, right. like almost like a tunic. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm gonna. I'm doing this. I'm 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 rocking the night shirt now. And it was right when I had transitioned from tidy whitey underwear or Y fronts mm-hmm. to uh, boxer shorts, and I felt like these were the items of sophisticated manhood. Men did not wear white underwear; they wore plaid boxers because mm-hmm. that's because I don't know where I got that idea. And night shirts is how we slept. And I rocked this nightshirt for a while, but I'm a I'm an active sleeper, and I would get tangled up in this thing. <laughs> I would get tangled up in it like like when you put four towels in a dryer. Uh, <laughs> like I was just, it was like uh, up over my head. And you're under pretty, my, you're a pretty you know, athletic sleeper. I I jump around. I bounce around when I'm sleeping. And then one day I came home from school, and my nightshirt had been cut in half. Hmm. Because my sister decided that it was a cool punk rock layering. So you had a belt. Element. You had a belt, and you got a you got a stew going there. Uh, well, except that she cut the bottom nine inches off because oh, it didn't. More like a Madonna, like a midriff type situation. Yeah, she, yeah. Well, no, it wasn't that high, but she had cut. She just decided that she had the power to take scissors to my stuff. That's <sighs> pretty brassy. And it was brassy, and if I hadn't, if she hadn't. I probably would have, uh, the nightshirt would have gone down the river. I would have never thought about it again. Mm -hmm. If she'd said, can I have that even? But the fact that she cut that thing means that I will never forget that nightshirt. (laughs) Right? I'm still upset about it. You're still stewing. I'm still stewing. I had a very interesting dreamscape last night. Are you okay for time? Yeah, I'm fine. Don't worry about those guys. I'm just going to swing by. Sorry, continue. Um, I had a very interesting. So normally, my when I lay in bed and I'm trying to go to sleep, or if I wake up and I want to go back to sleep, I kind of have this um, dream landscape that I conjure. That's that's full of adventure, right? Mm-hmm. It's high adventure. Mm-hmm. What 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 drifts me off to sleep is that I'm you know I'm like part of a secret mission that's doing a halo jump into some kind of uh, you know like jungle where we're going to take on some drug criminals or, you know, I'm like, Mm -hmm. I have a, I, I I sketch out a little adventure scenario and then I put myself sort of up there in this, 
in the uh, like with my parachute on and my oxygen mask on and my teammates and we're like let's go and we jump and then it's sort of like jumping off into sleep. Mm, wow. Uh, like I do a lot of that kind of, uh, I, and and I I'm not sure how long those adventure scenarios carry over into my dreams, but that's kind of like how I head off to sleep. And you would think they're very adventurous scenarios that it would get my heart beating and I wouldn't fall asleep. But it, exactly. it, it, it feels like the opposite of what you want. I think about trying to get my heartbeat to lower. No, no, no. I'm always just like, all right, here we go. Like Let's do we're, this thing. We're, uh, or like heist scenarios, right? Where where mm-hmm. I'm where I'm thinking like, and the heist scenarios always maybe what puts me to sleep is not so much the stealing of the thing, <clears throat> but the fencing of the thing. When I sit and think about, because I run heist scenarios periodically, mm-hmm. I spend more time thinking about fencing the goods or laundering the money, <laughs> like by <laughs> by. Like if you've got if, you, if your heist involved like gold bullion, you got some bars. Like how do yep. you monetize that? How do you monetize it? Right. If you if you're one of those those guys that steals a pallet full of money in the back of a of a uh, armored car, yeah. And and you make it. Let's say you make it mm-hmm. to Mexico or wherever you're going. How do you launder that money? That is what I really like to think about. The heist itself, I figure, is fait accompli. Mm-hmm, sure. Right, we're gonna go in. We're gonna take the diamonds. We're gonna get the money, the gold, whatever. Well, it's like uh, taking a poem one, two, three. We're like, obviously, success is not a guarantee. But the really interesting part, in some ways, not really interesting. But the second interesting part is what happens after they're done and how they get caught. They, they, right. You know, how they get caught. Part of the heist is always a fun part too. And that's how that's the that's the part of the heist scenario that I never want to. I, I don't want to have underthought it, right? I've got I'm gonna have a plan. Oh, too much too to... much of the upfront, like you get the English guy with the bomb in the briefcase, not enough of the back end, like how do we get to Guatemala or what have you. That's right. Like you find the guy with the big glasses mm-hmm. who walks you through a back door and there's a passport waiting for you. Mm-hmm. Anyway, last night I'm thinking, um you know, I'm laying in bed and I'm like kind of flipping through my Rolodex of uh, of heist stories and halo jumps. And just spontaneously, I don't know where this came from at all. I, it was not intentional. I'm lying there, and all of a sudden, I'm driving a bus in Ireland. Hmm? And I'm on the wrong, you know, I'm on the left side of the street, and I'm in Western Ireland, sort of rural, coastal Ireland, and I'm just driving a municipal bus. Wow. And I'm making all my stops, and people are getting on. People are riding my bus and they're getting off. And I lay in bed and drove this bus around Western Ireland for, uh, it feels like all night. Oh my God, you just kept doing your route. Let people get on, people get off. Just doing my route. And and there were people that got on and recognized that I was a new bus driver. Mm -hmm. And there were some small villages where the road was very curvy going down a hill and I had to maneuver the bus through these narrow streets going down a very curvy switchback. And I did that quite well. I didn't have any snafus. And so when I woke up this morning, I had a, you know, I woke up kind of early and I, and I had a little opportunity to go back to sleep for a while. Mm-hmm. I call that, I call that I bonus sleep, bonus sleep. When you get little a little bit, bit of bonus of, sleep. Yeah. A little bit of, you know, point after the touchdown type situation. That's how it was. Mm-hmm. And I immediately started driving my bus in Ireland again. 
<laughs> well, back to work I go. Yeah. And I just couldn't be happier driving this bus. And it's just like you would think. You're driving along. It's a little bit overcast. The ocean's over there. Little little sort of stone villages facing the water. Mm-hmm. And you pull up to the stop, and there's a lady with a, her hair in a handkerchief carrying two plastic grocery bags. Sure. And you stop, and she gets on. Let her on the bus. And she pays her fare, and she goes back, and then I close the door, and I, and I drive on. Was it, I mean, I, it's and, difficult to say, but I mean, was it a pleasant feeling? Did you enjoy driving the bus? It was wonderful. Oh, it sounds nice. It was, it was really wonderful. Once you really get to know there. your route, like, it's going to be nice. You get to know the people a little bit. It starts just feeling feeling like you're in a groove. That's what I'm hoping. And I, and I think that, you know, it's going to be unusual for them that an American is driving their bus. I think that's going to be a novelty mm-hmm. once we start chatting. Once the word gets out that the new bus driver is American. Mm-hmm. Oh, but sure. I, but I, I'm going to be fine with that. I'm, you know, I enjoy that kind of attention. It sounds kind of like a setup and, for like a Bill Forsythe movie, like a fish out of water in the UK type movie. John, yeah, but, John the bus I, driver. John's the sort of the bus driver. And I feel like I'm going to get to know everybody and I'm going to learn their ups and downs. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to be, uh, you know, people trust their bus driver. Bus driver's a, He's a regular, he's like the mailman. He's somebody you see all the time. He's a, he's a, tr- a trusted public servant. Yeah, right. You put your kid on the bus, he takes a kid to school, right? That's you, right. You, you, feel, you feel confident that, you're, that the bus is a safe place. So, uh, so that's my new thing, and I, and I hope, um, I don't, this may, be, uh, this may be the beginning of a new chapter for me. Which part? The bus? Well, first, dreaming about the bus. That feels important. Dreaming about driving the bus feels very important. Hmm. I'm going to look that up. Driving bus dream. And uh, and I think if it it keeps going, I feel like, you know, this is the thing about halo jumps and heist scenarios. They're not really... I'm probably never going to do a halo jump, and I'm probably not ever going (laughs) to steal a bunch of gold bars. Mm, But I could... I could drive a bus in Ireland. Mm. According to dreamscloud.com, which I'm assuming knows everything about dreams, um, you got the dream of being on a bus, may suggest you are going along with the crowd, not taking responsibility. Dreaming of driving the bus may suggest you are the leader of your group, and the dream is providing an opportunity to examine your leadership skills and where you're taking them. Paying the fare may be a metaphor for the price you are paying, but you're not paying for it. You're driving the bus. I'm driving it. And what about Ireland? Dreaming of Ireland. Huh. Well, I don't know. I have, what does dreaming of Ireland signify? I, I, don't, I mean, I'm sure somebody must have talked about it. Dreaming of Ireland. There's a lot of songs called Dreaming of Ireland. Yeah. I, I, no, I, I think it has to be meaningful. I've decided it's meaningful. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. If I, I mean, I'm I'm always looking for that that thing where I find my duck, mm-hmm. and maybe that maybe that's it. Maybe well, here, my here's duck the nice is. thing about it. It's not a halo jump, but here's the thing: is it's like it's in a nice, somewhat pastoral. I don't be condescending, but it's probably in a somewhat like pastoral, calm setting. It represents mm-hmm. a a. Uh, what do you call it? Like it's it's a job, and not only is it a job where you have to be there on time, you got to be places at the job on time. It sounds like the ultimate grind, but in fact, it's not. It sounds like the soul uh, wanting some kind of regularity that's comfortable, not just a grind. Mm-hmm. That and talk about if a dream, it, buddy. Woo, 
That's a dream. If the sign says the bus got, has to be there at 10.15, mm-hmm. that's not a thing. That's not a thing that's up open to negotiation. Mm-mm. That's like your only thing. She's got to be there shopping at 10.15. Bags. She needs to get on your bus. She does, right? And the thing is, I think the thing about, about uh, what I imagine about Western Ireland is that nobody there is striving. Yeah. Right? Nobody's getting on that bus because they're going to the local community college to get a degree in computer science because they want to move to one Cupertino square. <laughs> They are, you know, they're doing their, they have some bucolic errands. Uh, (laughs) They've got to move seeds. Oh, you know what I bet they got is, uh, they got turf for uh, mulches, probably. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Pete. Old Pete. (laughs) Pete. uh, Somebody's got to get up and That should be your bus driver name. Your bus driver name is Old Pete. Yeah, scratchy old cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. (laughs) <laughs> top, top of the morning, Mrs. O'Malley. <laughs> 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 <laughs>